pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for, for this time that we commit into your hands. We pray that we'll hear your word, Lord, coming from you. Thank you so much that everything will be done to exalt your name and no one else. We give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you that your word never returns to your void, but it always accomplishes what you send it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you. Are you well this morning? It's good to see you. Thank you, worship team. Also, thank you for Mr. Mtombeni last week. Thank you very much for reminding us. Yes. Why are you guys hating? Just clap. <laughs> for reminding us to be still and know that God will deliver what he promised. And it looked like, when I saw him in the parking, it looked like he was preparing part two already. That's what I saw. I was tempted to, to tell you Isaac's perspective about that whole ordeal, but I don't know if you, you will believe me or not. I don't, if you're interested, I'll tell you. You want to know? Don't ask me about the sources. But apparently when you went back to school on a Monday, T went there on a Friday. So his friends did not see him. They said, Isaac, where were you on a Friday? He said, you will not believe me. My father tried to kill me. He said, Father Abraham, like, yeah. You think you know a guy. Next minute, you're lying on a pile of food, and you're about to be a sacrifice. He said, I should have known something is wrong because I asked him, where is the sacrifice? And he said, the Lord will provide. Little did I know, I was the sacrifice. This morning, I will just, I'll ask you to be a bit patient because my introduction will take a bit of time. Will you be patient? I promise that I will get to where I'm going, but I just want to, to give you three short incidences. Of, I'll make one point, then I'll get to, to where I'm going. Don't, don't be alarmed. I think the, the sermon will be short, even though I actually never believe anyone when they tell you they'll be short. After two hours, they are still concluding. So... We will we'll we'll try to be short. I'm not saying that there will be a part two, but in case we don't finish, we'll, we'll see what to do. I don't know if you remember... Where, is, where are my slides? Who's doing the slides? After that. Do, do you remember that? That's, that's our old one rent coin which we use way back 500 BC. Where <laughs> that's how old we are. And I don't know if you remember, I think even the smaller one rand one which came after this, I'm not sure about the newer one. 
it had an inscription, if you remember. Do you remember? Do you remember? Just go to the, if you see there, it had an inscription. Solidio Gloria. If you were raised reformed like some people, that will, that clicks very quickly. You, you will recognize what that is. And this is the point I want to make before I come back to that. Is that a lot of times when, when you see either a deviation from, from truth or what actually that does is it has one good unintended consequence. It gives us as Christians an opportunity to clarify what we believe. Can I just repeat that? Anytime you see error or heresy or whatever it is, a deviation from truth, it has this unintended consequence. It gives Christians an opportunity to clarify what we believe. Such was the time. This was way, way back, almost 506 years ago. The 31st of October, 1517. I, I didn't put some of the slides. If I don't think you'll be that much interested, but it will. you'll see where I'm going. So... This was a famous date because what, what we know as Martin Luther or Martin Luther went to a castle in Wittenberg and nailed what is known as the 95, 95 Theses. And this is what he's, he was saying. We have this problem with the church in Rome. These are issues that we have. And later on, that got to be refined to what we now call in Reformed the five solas of our faith. There's five solas of Reformed and the sola scriptura, solus Christus, sola fide, sola gracia, and soli deo gloria. Scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, to the glory of God alone. That's, that's what that inscription on that, on that one rent coin actually meant. And I, I hope you, we, we can differentiate between Martin Luther the reformer and Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights activist. Yes, you can, yeah. I remember my wife once bought me a book which it was a mixture of understanding, misunderstanding between the two. If you want it, it's actually a very good book called Beyond the 95 Thesis. Okay, so, but here is the, ma the main point about what they were trying to say. They were saying there are things that as Christians we can agree to disagree but there are things that are fundamental to what we believe. There are things that we cannot compromise on. And the authority of scripture, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved by faith in, through grace and everything is to the glory of God alone. And I was tempted again to, 
I think that I have spoken enough about the authority of scripture. I think you might throw me out if I do it again. But this is one point I wanted to make just before we move on. And underline this, this is my opinion. Whatever I said, this is his opinion. And this is, a, this is what I want to say. I get people sharing their faith with me and sometimes they share what they believe and they send me books and things like that. And this is what I ask. If you have to take away what your pastor said, the book you read, and what you think, and you remain with scripture alone, does your doctrine still stand? You take away every other thing that you read somewhere else. Those things are good. But if you just remain with scripture, does the doctrine still stand? That's, that's what I always say. Incident number two. Are you still with me? With me? Are you still here? Yeah, sorry, it's, it's way back. I'm taking you way back so that I can get to my point. This is in third century. They arose this guy called Arius. And he caused a stir because he said he does not believe that Jesus is actually God. So, and the church took him and said, you're a heretic, and they excommunicated him. But it was such a problem, and he amassed a big following. And this is the time when Christianity was actually legal. People were not being killed. This is during the reign. You remember the first Christian emperor? Constantine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yes, I'm just taking you through what we, how we actually get to where we are. Constantine was the first Christian emperor. And at this time, Christians are not being killed. So Constantine looked at Christians fighting amongst each other and said, stop it. Just call a meeting when we came together in the council of Nicaea, 325. And they threshed out what we believe, what they believe, and they came up with the Nicene Creed, what, is, what some call the Apostles' Creed. That's how we got the Apostles' Creed. And I think Vomukwena shared about it a long time ago, where we say, we believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. You know that. And again, if you're raised reformed, you cite this every single Sunday, no fail. We were citing this, and it came out of our, our eyes and ears. We didn't even know what it meant. We believe, okay, we recited it in Jivan. You... You recite it in your language. I recited it in Javenda. And at some point, you just recite it mechanically until you understand this is the reason why we say what we say. We say it because we say it's fundamental to our faith. I need to say this before I go to the third incident. Okay. We will not stand in front of God and God will ask us to recite the creed. Amen. He will not say, say the five solas or else. No. The five solas or the creed were not crucified for you. Jesus was. I just need to say that. It's not, I'm not coming here to say, 
be a reformed or no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to, to make a point. You're with me. Because sometimes people want to divide the lie and it's not, it's not in the Bible. Amen? Okay, one last incident, then we'll get to where we're going. First century. This is just before our scripture. There are people who are claiming extra knowledge. These are people called the Gnostics. They always claim that they have extra revelation. And there were two groups which were very prominent. This is after the crucifixion of Jesus. And this one group called the Ebionites. And they said, Jesus was a mere man who through obedience of the law was elevated to the position of Messiah. And there was another group called the Docetists. And they said, no, Jesus was just a spirit. He appeared to be a man. And you can imagine the confusion this caused within the church because these people were Christians. I'm in that confusion. And again, you cannot challenge these people because they will always claim extra revelation. In that confusion, this is where the importance of the scripture now we are going to read. In that confusion, remember I made this one point that whenever there is error, there always arose an opportunity for Christians to, cl to, to clarify what we believe. In that confusion, John penned down these words which, in my opinion, will always be mind-blowing. It says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. I, I know that you get it. Someone like me, I have to read this more than once. Because what John is saying here, it's, it's actually, he's being apologetically unapologetic. He is being apologetic in defending the faith. Amen. He is drawing a line in the sand. After this, there is no coming back. He says, before, and Sister Philippine touched on it, before time began, before there was such thing as a beginning, there was the word. And it's, it's again, it takes a lot to wrap your mind around what John is saying because it's not so much what, what he says is important, but his choice of words are very, very critical. Because he could have used another word for word. He says in the beginning was the word. He could have said there was a spoken word. There was the rhema word. But he says, he uses, he uses that word. I don't know if you see it there. The next slide. That for our Greek speakers. It's, it's, in the beginning was, was the logos. If, if you know sign symbols, you see it's lambda, omicron, gamma, omicron, sigma. 
that's what they use in science. I don't know. He says, in the beginning was the logos. This is where we get the word logic. Because the Greeks believed that life is held together by something that is logical. By something, by something that is coherent. Life is not happenstance. But John said, yeah, you have the right idea, but you did not go far enough. The logos that we are referring to is not a, a philosophical concept. It's not some abstract. The logos is a person. Life is held together by something more than philosophical. It's held together by a person. And how we know that he's saying it's a person, he says that word was with God. And again, his choice of words is so amazing because he's, he says the word was with God as in not I am with a bottle of water. Not I am with an electronic device. The, the word was proston theon. The word was face to face with God. And that word was God. What do you do with that? You're reading this, and again, I, I spare thought, I, I sympathize with people who read. We get it now. We are reading this centuries later, and we kind of get it. Yeah, he's talking about Christ, but picture a Jew in the first century reading this. And it starts off saying, in the beginning, when you read in the beginning, NIK and our logos, NIK and our logos, that when you see the beginning, you think Genesis. But then he takes a turn and he introduces that he's not just that word now is something else. And maybe this person is making peace with Jesus being the Messiah. But John says, no, you have to go a step further. That Jesus actually had no beginning. Because he is God. Amen. And this was very, very controversial. This was scandalous. Because some people saw it as Greek philosophy now infiltrating the movement. And it was actually blasphemous. You could be killed for saying this. And as a matter of fact, remember, Jesus was not crucified because he claimed to be the Messiah. Amen. Mark tells us that when Jesus showed up before the Sanhedrin and before the high priest, Joseph Caiaphas at that time, all kinds of witnesses were coming, saying all sorts of things. And finally, the chief priest asked him, are you not going to say something in defense of what these witnesses are saying? And Jesus says nothing. And finally, he asks him, are you the Christ, son of the blessed? And Jesus says, yes. And 
and he quotes, he reaches back to the book of Daniel, and he says, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. And the chief priest tears his garments and says, what more need is there for witnesses? You have had the, the blasphemy. Because this man is not just claiming to the, be the Messiah. He is claiming to be God. Say, crucify. So that's why I'm saying that what we are reading here, when, what John is saying, is not, it's not, I, I understand, we get it now, but when somebody was reading this, you either choose Jesus or you have to reject him. Because it was just a tough saying. And when we come and when we, when we have to, to reconcile, and some, some of these sayings that John is putting down here are even tough, even today. Because when you say Christ alone, it's as if you're being dismissive of other things. Because people will say, there are so many other ways to God. John is saying, no, they can't be. Because there's only one. And he says, all things are made through him. And without him, there wasn't anything made that was made. All things point to him. Not a particular denomination. Not a sect of Christians. All things point to Jesus. In him we have redemption of sin. The forgiveness of sin. Through him we are reconciled to God. Not only do we have peace of God, but we have peace with God. We are actually not just forgiven. We actually can commune with God through Christ, through what he did. And as, as Tisha just said it, when we, are, when we are in the intercessory prayer, it says, there is one God. And there is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ. And I know there can be other claims that we are somehow can be reconciled to God or there's another mediator. There isn't another mediator between God and man. If Christ did not do it, there was no other way we could be reconciled to God. Amen. And so when we say Christ alone, it's not just a nice thing to say. If you find any other teaching that is not centered around Christ, run. If, if you find it could be articulate, it could be well spoken, could be well presented, but if it's not centered around Christ. Paul, when he was speaking to the Galatians, and he uses very strong words in, in the opening chapter, he says, but even if we, after he had scolded them, after he had asked them, who bewitched you? Verse 8, he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. 
I said, Paul, that's, that's too strong. And he says, if you're preaching any, let, let that person be anathema. Let the person be subject to destruction. That's how strong they. And to, to, to make sure that he, he's taking it seriously, he repeats it. He says, as we've said it before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. And even though it sounds as, Paul is not saying we are cursing that person. He says, any other gospel that is not centered around Christ, by itself it will be subject to destruction. By itself, anything that is not centered around Christ, it's headed for destruction. I hope you are uplifted by this. <laughs> but this is why I say that I'm grateful for the word of God because it always pulls you back to the center. It always pulls you, not to what is nice, but to what is true. Not to what is entertaining, but to what, it, to what will save your life. See, no matter how fancy or spectacular it can be, if it's not centered around Christ, nothing good will come out of it. And I know as Christians, we, we sound like we are intolerant bigots sometimes but not if what we are saying is true it says whenever you remove Christ out of out of that it just will not hold and sometimes we get caught up in our own traditions and rules and regulations this is how we do it but we are again reminded that it's all about Christ at the center second last scripture thing that we'll read. And as Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, in the opening chapter, in the first letter, verse 22, I don't know if it comes up. He says, do you have it? Verse 22. It says, for the Jews, what do they request? A sign. To the Jews, it was about the miracles, a display of power, parting of the Red Sea, fire coming down and, and consuming the sacrifice. It was about displaying of power. As a matter of fact, when they were interacting with Jesus, they said to him, show us a, a sign. To them, that was the thing. And Jesus said to them, you are not going to see any sign except that which is similar to Jonah when he was three days in the belly of the whale. So will the son of man. To them it was the sign. It was about the sign, a display of power. And the Greeks seek, they seek after wisdom. To the Greeks it's about philosophy. And as we looked at Acts 17 previously, to them it was always discuss, discuss, discussing about some higher knowledge, some new revelation. It says, but we preach Christ. We preach Christ crucified. It 
And to the Jews, that's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, that is foolishness. But to us, that is the power and the wisdom of God. Christ crucified. And I understand what the, how can a man hanging on a tree be a way to salvation? That's what they're thinking. And Paul is not saying that there should be no display of power. But the display of power should point back to Jesus. Any demonstration of power should always point back to Jesus. Nothing against miracles. But if we seek miracles for miracles sake, we leave Jesus relegated to a corner somewhere as our advisor. He's simply a spectator of what we do. He says, we preach Christ crucified. That right there is the power and the wisdom of God. God did it so that no one can claim any other thing to that way of salvation. No one can come in and say, I earned my way around it. No one can say, through my own wisdom and understanding, I got to know Christ. Because our own wisdom and understanding is disqualified. And it's not, it's not, it's not saying, don't be wise. It's not saying, don't be foolish. But let that wisdom point back to Jesus. In the book of Acts, this is the last, the last scripture. And to illustrate this point... I think the worship team can come up even though it will take some minutes. So you remember that account where Peter and John healed that man, Acts chapter 3, who was lame. He was expecting something and they said silver and gold, we have none, and he was healed. You remember that? So in verse 11, it says, this is when after he was healed. It says, now as the lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which was Solomon, which was Solomon. They were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded. So people are looking at this lame man who was healed. They know, they know very well that he could not walk. And they are seeing it. Now, this is an opportunity for Peter and John to say something. Now, I will submit to you, I'm not saying us here, but normally when we have an opportunity to say something after something that miraculous, we will pretty much be tempted to tell them what we did. You are not detecting any lies there. We will tell, you know, when we were praying and I knew it, I felt it in my spirit and I did this. And I can tell you that man will be taken everywhere to, to give his testimony about, about what we did. But listen to what Peter says. He says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? 
Why are you surprised? This has nothing to do with us. If I can fill in the blank, they were simply just vessels. It could have been anyone who did that. He says, why are you looking at us as if we made something miraculous? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant who? Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now he's referring to their trial. And Peter always find a way to make people feel guilty somehow. It's like, you did this. Pilate was determined to let him go, but you, but you denied the Holy One and just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. And let me just say, it's, I think in, in all our lives we'll get, we might not be involved in somebody's healing. You might not raise anyone, you might not open somebody's blind eye, but I can tell you, I can almost guarantee you, at some point, you will have to answer somebody who might not ask you directly, how did this happen? How did this happen? How did you go? The last time I saw you, you were there, and now you are here. And I know you are not that, you were not that smart. I saw you in high school. I, you were retrenched, and this... How did you get here? I am not saying, please listen. I'm not saying you should be spiritual. As some of you are. But you'll always have an opportunity to say, let me tell you, I am not that smart. If it was not for God, if it was not for God, let me tell, yes, yeah, I did this, I compiled that, I applied, yeah, but there's a part there which I cannot explain. There's something there that I cannot explain. It looks foolish when we are talking to the world about Jesus, I know. At some point you will look like an idiot. But that's what we know. That's the truth we know. When we say solos Christus, we're not just saying Jesus alone because God had no other plan of salvation. There was no plan B. Jesus was the only plan. So when we say Jesus alone, we're not trying to just smuggle some idea. We know what we're talking about. We know where we were. And we know where he has taken us to. Amen. There is no bypassing Jesus. Just before we close, I brought a clip. I, I was copying from Bomanatal. I brought a clip. So I, I brought a clip. I hope it plays. <laughs> we'll watch the clip, then we'll.
the man in the middle cross said I can come. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. The name that we can only stand on. There is no other name on heaven, on earth, or under the earth. Father, we're so grateful that we get to call Jesus our Savior. We're grateful, Lord, that you gave us that name. We thank you so much, Lord, for, for your word as it guides us, correct us. Use it, Lord, to bring us back to the center of all, of all of our lives, Lord. The center that is Jesus, we thank you so much. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.